Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Fuck yes. Hello, Junk Timers, how are you? Fired up, we've got such a special show for you tonight. Titus O'Reilly, Brad Scott, Dane Swan and Pope Francis are going to be with us today. Uh, footy fans, have you had a good day? You had a good weekend for your footy team? No, my friend, you're shaking your head right there. Bombers? Ah, suck shit. And although we just lost the Tigers by about five goals or so. Oh yeah, welcome to the club. Yeah, it's, it's rare these days for the Tigers to have a victory. Can we get the house lights turned off, please? Oh, prima can, Donna Rosenberg. Yeah, I right can here. see everyone and it's just bothering me. Um, <laughs> we're going to Carlton supporters in? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's, That's what it feels right. like, That's doesn't it? Right. All right. <laughs> we've got anyone in who hates Lockie Plowman as much as I do? Yeah. Great. Yes, exactly. The Carlton fans know what I'm talking about. Lockie Plowman, who's he? Exactly. Oh, okay. Exactly. Here's our back pocket extraordinaire. You want you want you want to kick some goals? Go play on Lockie Plowman, mate. I like our friend down here. Sorry, what's your name again? Alex. Alex. Alex? Yeah, with a, a Grundy T-shirt, which is quite Grundy sesh. So Sunday sesh, but turns into Grundy sesh. Is he holding a spray can, a spray paint can in his hand? He's holding a holding a beer. Holy shit, that's off brand. He should be wearing... Yeah, I feel it's a knockoff. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, why don't we kick things in, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Junk Time AFL podcast. Coming to you from Wayne Jackson Studios in Melbourne, not Rod Carter Studios today. Mm. Wayne Jackson Studios. My name is Michael Chamberlain. And joining me is a man. He is furious mm. that Patrick Dangerfield got to play today in the VFL. <laughs> it's Adam Rosenbachs. G'day, everyone. Thank you so much for coming along. How the fuck... Oh, we've even got more intro music. This is um, unexpected. Um, how the fuck is Patrick Dangerfield allowed to play that dirty fucking sniper? I have no idea. Hey, Siri, what's a fucking sniper? <laughs> if you don't know, they used Siri at the tribunal. They, uh, they, were, they, wanted to, they said, hey, Siri, define severe. Yeah, yeah. And it came up and it said, Gary Abler Jr. is a sniper. <laughs> But they wanted it to, um, they wanted to, because I was trying to downgrade it from severe. They mm. just said, because he didn't think his hit on uh, Jake Kelly was severe because his uh, head didn't come off. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so he's allowed to play this year, he therefore fine. he didn't think it was hard enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So they let Danger play in the VFL. And I, I mean, you know, so he could not lose any of his sniping skills. They wanted to keep him at an elite level. But I say if they are going to let him play, that's totally fine. That's their, that's their prerogative. But they should only let him play like if it's in like a really fucking low, dirty league. Mm -hmm. So people can go after him like he's playing against Sunshine. <laughs> you know? In the fourths. 
It's just old blokes who've had a shit weekend. Yeah, for sure. They got to. They, they fucking hate their, their yeah. life. They hate yeah. their job. They hate their they kids. They haven't got the kids that weekend. Yeah. They're fucking out for vengeance. So they take it out on the play. Yeah, like a forty-five-year-old just yeah. fucking swinging haymakers at centre half forward. I, I, I'm, we actually probably maybe ask Brad. He might have the answer to this mm. one, um, just by the fact why why Danger got to play. Because I've never heard of a thing where a player got to play. It's extraordinary, when isn't been it? They're suspended. Yeah, because yeah, that's the idea: is you don't you get to lose your fitness in that three weeks. You suffer through it, and he gets to he gets to be fit and play and, and be cool. I think that I think there might have been a player. I think it might have been Wayne Johnson, the Dominator, back in 1987, I think, uh-huh. when the bloodbath in Britain. I feel like he got reported and suspended after the grand final and then he played in that game and he got reported and suspended. <laughs> oh, did he get reported for going after Clarko, perhaps? Maybe, maybe. He might yeah. have tried to fucking put yeah, that footage. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, what sticks to go down trying to put a player in a bin? <laughs> yeah. I think he got reported for um, uh, throwing Clarko down the escalators in the tube. <laughs> it was like, they didn't let that go, the Blues. Can I, I don't know if I've ever told this story, but there was a story. I think it happened, the, I think it was the 87, I think it was the Oval game. Might have been the year before, I'm not totally sure. But um, uh, Jim Buckley was on the beep test a couple of years ago. Yeah, huge show, massive fans. And... <laughs> It's a good show. Got paid minimum wage. Under minimum wage. Fun fact. Tell Fox Footy. Fuck you. Now, <laughs> under minimum fucking wage. Anyway, I uh, under minimum fucking wage. Lucky that you're doing very well in other uh, activities. I've got a lot of revenue streams yeah. now. Yeah. How's your pill press? <laughs> but Jim Buckley... No, Jim Buckley? Yeah, it was Jim Buckley. Yeah, he told a story about... Um, he was uh, commissioned by <laughs> to do an artwork uh, by, by John Elliott, of all people. Um, so John Elliott paid a million bucks to put the Foster's logo on the wing at mm. the Oval. Never been done. They never put advertising on the Oval before. Because there's no wing. Um, well, that's a very good point. When you yeah. play cricket, you don't go field in the wing. Mid on, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> and so essentially, uh, the night before, it's a bender, like it's a you know a junket, and so they're all shit faced. And so eventually, Jim Buckley goes, the "Night before, I better go and do it." So he goes and buys paints at the uh, paint shop, and he does the big Foster symbol on the on the Oval. Anyway, he used oil based paints and not water based paints. Yeah. And so it stayed on the oval for, <laughs> n- for nine months. Eventually, the oval, they had to dig it up because the cricket was about to start. And John Elliott's there going, fucking best million bucks I've ever fucking spent in my life. Did he pay cash? Well, I mean, it's John Elliott, so a cheque would fucking bounce, don't yeah. you think? How dare you? <laughs> Our esteemed leader. Yeah, he paid cash in a brown paper yeah. bag. <laughs> You fucking low dog. Now, <laughs> hey, should we get our first guest on? Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, kick it off. Ladies and gentlemen, he is a fucking Melbourne icon. The man in the hat. Please welcome on stage, Titus O'Reilly! <laughs> Titus, how are you, mate? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Mate, the D's, you got your grand final tickets yet? Oh, yeah. No, I'm super excited. Um, we can only be downhill from here. That's what I know. Are you pumped about the Ds? They're 2-0, they're looking good. You did over the Saints yesterday. Yeah, oh, I don't know if I'm ever pumped about the Ds, yeah. you know, like... Did you go to WA? Did you go to that prelim when you didn't kick a goal in the first half? <laughs> remember that? Do, do you want to talk about that for about half an hour? <laughs> that was great, because remember um, people were flying through Bali and stuff to get there. And then they got there and they didn't kick a goal in the first half. Yeah, do you want me to get the highlights up on YouTube? <laughs> I'm just trying to remember what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, I did go to that. Did uh, you? Yeah. Um, so I've, I flew over and I was doing a few gigs before the game. Yep, yep. And so I'm dressed like this, and <laughs> which was great amongst the Eagles crowd to just be 
easily one of the most recognisable Melbourne supporters. <laughs> and it, You were new, Mitch. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember, but it didn't go well. And <laughs> it didn't go well in the first, like, two minutes. Like, two minutes in, you're like, we're done. Yeah. Like, this is it. And so I, about 15 minutes in, made my way out of my seat and down to a bar where I could still see the game, but I thought, I'm going to drink all the alcohol in <laughs> yeah. Western Australia. All the, the West End your body yeah, can handle. Yeah, all the West End. Yeah, yeah. emu bitter. Yeah. <laughs> and the worst bit of it is all the Eagle supporters were nice to me oh. because it was so brutal. They're all coming up and going, oh, right. I'll get you a drink, mate. You're right. It's all right. Yeah. You know? and, the, and I'm just like, you... Yeah. Daniel no. Kerr was like, come in the Dunnies with me, mate. We'll fucking... Yeah, yeah. We'll take care of you. Yeah, no, he yeah. Was a, he's a lovely guy. Yeah, he is. He's very lovely. Just a very sweet-natured guy. Yeah, you went and slept out in front of a house with him. So, great. yeah, no, so thanks, thanks for bringing up that. I had to go back a week later to file a victim impact statement. <laughs> <laughs> it was brutal. Did you go yesterday? Uh, I did. Um... I don't know. You ventured down to Marvel Stadium. What yeah. was that like? How foreign was that for you? Uh, it's weird. I don't usually go there. You no, know, Casey nor, nor do you. I do you. In my brain, Casey and Marvel are the same distance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. that's how it works. And I'm not used to... I mean, I went the week before too and I'm just not used to being around people yet after lockdown, you mm-hmm. know, so that was weird. How'd you go during lockdown? Great. Did you? Uh, no, I didn't... Well, this is what got me about lockdown. Like, I had far too much time to think about conspiracy theories. <laughs> and I've got a conspiracy theory that I don't want to come across like Pete Evans. But this is... No one is talking about this. Like, forget 5G and microchips in your vaccines. Do you know there was... I've picked the worst week of 2020, which is... It was a bad year. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> and in... One week, the last week of July, two things happen and no one's talking about them. The first is Shane Warne released his f- debut fragrance. <laughs> I don't did know. Did you say debut or did you say only, hopefully? Well, they said debut, <laughs> yeah. which terrified me. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's going to be more. Because who here has ever wanted to smell like a St Kilda supporter? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, St Kilda supporters are like Werribee. You, you smell them before you see them. <laughs> And so that was the first thing that happened. Warren released that. Now, within a week of Shane Warren releasing his debut fragrance, masks became compulsory (laughs) in Victoria. Now, a lot of you are going, well, that's for COVID. And I'm like, no, COVID came in January 2020. We went six months almost. Mm -hmm. And then within a week... Of Shane Warne's fragrance, the chief health officer is going, put on your masks, put on your masks. And it's not crazy, this theory, because Shane Warne's fragrance and COVID are almost exactly the same in four ways. They were both made in a Chinese lab. (laughs) You're more likely to encounter either on a cruise ship. (laughs) Both cause breathing difficulties. And a clear sign that you've got either is a complete lack of taste. I like it. Can you get COVID at Chemist Warehouse? (laughs) 
Probably not as not as easily as yeah, yeah. SW23. Is that where it's sold? I imagine it is sold at Kevin. Oh Warehouse. yeah, like Chemist Warehouse really is the 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 geez the the bilo of fragrances. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's Delta, it's uh, they got a Lockie Plowman fragrance. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> You know, it's Paris Hilton. It's it repels Spears, people from you. Kind of <laughs> I actually saw a great thing during uh, lockdown where they had Fox Footy, because uh, they had about four hours to fill during the day, obviously. And they had that podcast studio that they have, by the way, minimum wage. Um, <laughs> and uh, Shane Warne uh, did an interview, and then they said, Hey, Warne, give us a tour of your house. And he went into the living room. He had a golf simulator in the living room. Okay. Like it was, it was, it was like a little place, a place where, like, if you, if a little kid, like a teenager, had to build a house, like what they wanted, this would be, this is the house he had. And they went downstairs, and he had the big wine cellar on the bar, and he had the Shane Warne gin. That's available. Uh, and then he went, check out this. And he <laughs> Shane went, Shane Warne gin. Yeah. I know. And then he went, oi, disco ball. And he had a voice operated disco ball. It is. And he's had like a, a, a oh, Who's bar. got time to switch one on? It was amazing. And then he had arcade games and stuff like that. Like, he's just a big child. Shaymon Jin is just his fragrance. Well, that's a thing. <laughs> it's just a different yeah, label. Really could that's be the, the same only thing, difference. It? Yeah. it really could be the same thing. So, so, what have you made of the Lions having to stay in, uh, in Victoria? They would. Um because they were even thinking, like, uh, what they send? They sent Luke Hodge and, and Wayne Carey home on Friday night. Oh, it was great. Been, I was like, BT yeah, was BT, in yeah. Queensland yeah. too. Like, <laughs> I, was ring, I was ringing DHS going, that guy with the moustache, I've seen him. And it, it, I saw Brian Taylor in Wuhan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, you wouldn't be shocked to learn that BT was patient zero for some of these. <laughs> yeah. yeah, someone's holding some candy. Yeah, no, the, the Lions can't go back there, you know. They they're... should relocate them to Fitzroy, put them back in the heartland. Gee, that'd be... Yeah. Haven't oh, played no. the Brunswick Street Oval. Like they should never have got rid of Fitzroy. I, whenever I meet someone who's a Fitzroy supporter, and they tell you that and say, oh, I used to be a Fitzroy supporter, I, I do that thing from, like, Goodwill Hunting with Robin Williams where he just keeps saying, hugging them, going, it it's wasn't your, your fault. fault. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, I know, man, I know. But it was. Going, no, it wasn't your fault. It was. You blame the fans. Yeah, you should have fucking gone to the games. <laughs> <laughs> they all did. That was the problem. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so what about the D's this year, man? How do you think they will go? How do you think... How, no, tell me, how do you think the D's will disappoint you this year? Well, <laughs> this is the thing with the D's, right? A lot of people don't know this, but we... It, following sport has a real impact on you. And they've done studies that show that if your team wins your testosterone, regardless of your gender, increases by 20%, which is why Richmond supporters are 20% more annoying at the moment. <laughs> but if you lose, your testosterone reduces by 20%. Jesus, now, where's mine? You think what that, that's done to me, yeah. Fucking hell. Adam, I know, you were in high school. Yeah, Adam's actually transitioning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he doesn't know, but it's yeah. happening. <laughs> For the last 25 years. Yeah. It's the cheapest way to do it, just by a Carlton membership. <laughs> so that really, it makes me think about things a lot, that all my life, you know, I was in year nine and um, all the other guys were growing, you know, beards and I looked like I was in grade five. <laughs> and when you've got, you know, low testosterone, you can be, there's like, you can be fatigued and irritable and depressed and impotent. And... I've got all of those. <laughs> and when you think about it, when you're impotent, you can really relate to the Melbourne Football Club. 
did you go to the 88 grand final? Uh, I, no, I didn't. I was too young. I, watched, you know, I was only like, what, six? I'm a young guy. Okay. Uh, do, you, no, do, I, you, do you want me to get the highlights <laughs> up on YouTube? <laughs> I'm not even aware of that game. Okay. Um, I did go to the 2000 mm. and that was just terrific. Yep. Just a great day all round, mm. you know. So making a grand final is almost worse for me. It's yeah. more traumatising. And you're a thoughtful man, so you've been casting an eye across Canberra and the world of politics right now. I mean, Al, um, Al, Titus, I don't know if you know this, uh, he loves to masturbate onto a desk. I'm not sure if <laughs> I you're do. aware of that. Yeah, well, and that wasn't even a do good what you love, desk. I say. No, but... Uh, this is what I hate about politics at the moment, and this is sport-related, so don't worry, you're not going to... But in the lockdown especially, you know how it's so partisan and, you know, everyone was All right, like... knock it off with the big words, mate. Yeah. <laughs> everyone was like, oh, you know, Dan Andrews is the worst person that ever lived or Dan Andrews is a hero. Or you'd say something like, oh, I don't think they handled hotel quarantine well. And people go, well, that must mean you like the Liberals. And you go, well, no, that's like saying... You know, I don't like BT commentating. And someone going, well, you must like JB's commentary. <laughs> I mean, some, some talent pools are empty, you know what I mean? Like, But the thing that got me about, like... So everyone, as you know, was so partisan and sniping and they're, they're wrong and they're wrong and they never admit... That no one of any of these parties or their supporters ever admit they're wrong. And then they came out and said, you know what, politics... Now, it, it's, like, it's like footy fans. They barrack for their, their political party. And I was like, how do we get dragged into this? <laughs> you know, we're not partisan like this. If you say to any footy fan, what's wrong with your club? They can't wait to tell you. <laughs> if we went around this room and I asked you all to tell me what's wrong with you, we'd be here all November 2026. <laughs> You'd be all like, oh, you know. And I asked a North Melbourne supporter once, what's wrong with your club at the moment and they told me stuff going back to 1976 <laughs> you know so why we're not some level yeah, they've yeah. sunk to yeah. we and were above them and they've just got lower and in I the whole wanna, time I don't want to see the Liberal Party cheer squad that's fucking <laughs> yeah yeah that's going to be disturbing oh, well that, if they talked about politics like footy yeah. you'd say oh how do you think you guys are going at the moment they'd go oh well we're playing the Minister of Finance out of position you can't count <laughs> <laughs> and uh, god we've recruited badly and now our messages can't hit a target we can't maintain our structure in parliament <laughs> and uh, and a report just found out we're systemically racist yeah. <laughs> but we're proud yeah but it's a proud day proud and historic proud day. It's a historic day Hey, uh, should we bring in our first special guest? Uh, sorry, well, sorry, Titus, not to denigrate you and myself. No, my I'm, I'm an average guest, <laughs> at best. One of the legends of the AFL. Please welcome on the stage, very special guest, Brad Scott. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Thanks. For very quickly, before you sit down, can I see how tall I am compared to you? I just want to get a quick look. Can you get a bit closer? <laughs> Mate, you get it. You, you get yeah. into I fucking know, dangerous mean, territory <laughs> here, buddy. Sorry, sorry. But yeah, you're about an inch taller, two inches. I yeah. feel like this is yeah. a question you've had on your mind for like twenty <laughs> years. Like this is why no. we, this is why we got you on today. And if you don't mind, could you also just take off your t-shirt? <laughs> but I'm just generally curious, like what 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 it would have been like just to see that fucking coming at you. <laughs> like it'd be fucking terrifying, I imagine. Can I very quickly start, Brad? Now, you're about a year or two ahead of me at a, a different school. I was at a school up the road and you were a school down the road. 
I don't know if you're ever familiar with this, right? Name the schools, mate. Name the schools. Uh, both chock-a-block full of people who have been to jail for crimes. Um, I went to one and you went to one. Xavier and Trinity. <laughs> Very close. Yeah. St. Kev's. St. Kev's. St. Kev's okay. and Xavier. So we would hang out. We'd go to parties on a Friday or Saturday night when we were about 16 or so, okay? And then... Hang on, you, you got invited to party? <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> I don't know, I just want to ask this question by the fact that... And then, every now and then, a rumour would go around. Oh, my God, the Scott brothers are coming. <laughs> the Scott brothers are coming to the party. And everyone would be, like, thinking, like, these two blokes. We, I never met you, never even knew what you looked like. But this rumour would go around. The Scott brothers are coming. And the just impression that, like, you're going to come along, you're going to beat everybody up. <laughs> you're going to drink all the beers and go home with all the women. Like, that was... And you never showed up. It never happened. You're like this, like, fucking Bigfoot that never showed up. Were you aware of your reputation with your brother Chris at the time? That, like, that, that, just the, the rumour that a Scott brother was showing up could put the fear of God into people? No, but I also thought this was a footy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I could have taken you. Uh, LAUGHTER can I give the quick tale of the tape of our friend Brad right here? Uh, recruited number uh, 16, 1994 AFL draft. 22 games for Hawthorne, 146 for the Brisbane Lions. Two flags, 2001-2002. And then went on to coach North Melbourne for about 10 years, 211 games. Two prelims, nothing to be sniffed at at all, my friend. What a great career. Yeah, um, yeah the way I'd, I'd sum it up was um, right place, right time. A lot of luck. Um, you, you mentioned our schools had, a, had went to a great school, got a lot of sporting opportunities, um, had a challenging upbringing. My mum sort of had five kids and um, dad passed away when Chris and I were only eight. So um, could have easily sort of uh, not had many opportunities, but we had every opportunity in sport and life. So I look back on it and I, the one common theme is mostly luck. What, you, so you got drafted to Hawthorne. Did you know that they were going to pick you up and then they wanted uh, Chris went to Brisbane? Like, were you ever expecting to play at the same club? No, I grew up a massive Hawthorne supporter. Hey. Um, yeah, a huge Hawthorne supporter. And um, but both my parents, ironically, uh, are Queenslanders. They, they're born and bred Queenslanders. And mum and dad moved, uh, had two kids in Queensland, and then moved down to Melbourne. So again, luck. We started playing AFL footy, but. Um, being drafted to Hawthorne a year after Chris was you know, a real uh, dream. And when I was drafted, Dunstall, Brereton, Platten, Ayres, you know, they were all still there. Andy really? Collins. Yeah, it was, I was like a kid in a candy store. And um, I played that way for the first uh, 12 months and, and promptly got delisted after my first year there. Um, and then got actually re... what you'd call rookie these days, but it was a supp supplementary list back then. Who was your coach? Uh, Peter Knights, so that was again like another. Yeah. You know, I couldn't. You know, I look Dude, back that would have been unbelievable. All the people yeah. you watched growing up over the years, winning yep. flag after flag after flag <laughs> after flag after flag after flag. I'll get the highlights up you on YouTube. What? You can. <laughs> you know, I don't know what a flag is. <laughs> there was it was uh, it was unbelievable, but it, but it, it was actually um, probably the worst thing that happened because I was in such awe. Yeah. Like I uh, at training, I be matched up on Darren Jarman. You know, it's just like the, the best versus the rest. And um, I just used to watch him run around. And after getting delisted, I came out the next year and thought, 
Right, enough watching. I've got to actually start, start trying to get it. You know, you know what? I've got a feeling now, uh, given Darren Jarman's current shape, you'd be able to beat him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the thing. He, was, he, was, he wasn't very strong in the gym. He wasn't very quick. He, he certainly wasn't a good runner. Unbelievable foot skills. But when you played on him, you couldn't keep up with him. Um, he was, he'd get away from you really easily and he'd push you off the ball. So you look at this sort of weak, weak sort of slow unbelievably skilled footballer and just wonder how he did it. But he was a freak player. It wasn't until I, I saw Jason Ackermanis up close that I saw someone with better foot skills than Jars. And was he a better bloke than Acker? <laughs> I, I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> Ack, Ack, Acker's, Acker's misunderstood. Ack, Acker's shook, he, he shook, like, yeah, I mean, Acker's Acker. I mean, in, in terms of he entertained a lot of people over the journey, but... You know, if he doesn't end up in the Hall of Fame, you know, there's something wrong because what an unbelievable player. It's just a pity some of his off-field antics took away from his on-field. When you say misunderstood, you mean he's worse than we think? <laughs> <laughs> you know when they say that um, when someone does something amazing on-field during a game, they say, oh, he's even better at training? Yeah, Acker was even better behind closed doors. Yeah, well. right. <laughs> when did you feel... So you're saying you were in awe that first year and then you um, spent the second year at Hawthorne and then you ended up at Brisbane. When do you actually feel like you belong on the footy field? Like, when is there a part where you, you've ticked off enough games that you go, yeah, I'm a part of this mm. now and I own my position? Because none of us have ever had that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's different for everyone. If you look these days, like, the, we, we've got this talent pathway in Victoria, it's now called the NAB League, which is, like, it's the golden goose for AFL football. I mean, they, they produce... You know, these players who come in now and play from day one. Like, it's... Back yeah. back when I came in, you just sort of... You got drafted and it was like, oh, this is fantastic, but I'm not going to play for a couple of years at least. Uh, now they just come in and play from day one. So I suspect if you ask Noah Anderson last night, does he feel at home? It, he, he feels he at does. home now, you know, after one season. Uh, probably took me uh, 40 or 50 games. Yep. But And probably not till I went to Brisbane. I played every game in my last year at Hawthorne and... You know, the, the irony again, and talk about luck, Hawthorne actually, the only reason I went to Brisbane was because Hawthorne made a play for Chris. So th they approached Brisbane and um, offered up a whole lot of stuff to get Chris back to Hawthorne and then Brisbane shit themselves and thought they better get... To keep Chris, they better get me. After. <laughs> 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 okay. So I was the, sort of like the... the the, the pawn, they thought if I, if, if I went up to, yeah. to Brisbane, Chris would stay. And who was I your first I had a similar coach? thing once where I had one twin, tried to get the other, ended up ending with neither of them. <laughs> <laughs> who was your first coach at Brisbane? Uh, John, well, it was tumultuous. John Northey for the first little bit. Yep. Uh, then he was let go and then Roger Merritt took over. And then that lasted, I think, six months. And then, um, yeah, so we finished second last in 97 at Hawthorne. And then 98, we finished last, Wooden Spooners at Brisbane. Uh, two coaches got sacked. Um, then again, luck, into the great Lee Matthews. And the rest was history. And what was it like when you knew that Letha was coming to the club? Were you, like, fearful of it? Or were you just like, this is going to be great? Or you just... Oh, you, I imagine you guys were just been clapping your hands, going, thank yeah. you. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, all, all the, the nucleus of, that, of the talent in that side was already there. So it's hard to believe that in 98, uh, Brisbane finished last and then won a flag three years later. Yeah. Um, no, the, the, all, everyone was, was unbelievably excited. Uh, Lee sent out a... I don't know what it was back then. It wouldn't have been a text, but it was basically a message. Pigeon. We're really <laughs> <laughs> it was probably a message saying, Oh, what? I just want to say it's great to be at the Brisbane Lions. Please welcome our new recruit, Brad Scott. 
Oh. You wouldn't be saying that if he was there. This is before we start bagging Lee. I want to know this is being recorded. Yeah, um, that's one I'm not going to do to his face. I can guarantee that. I yeah, like my face too much. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he was um, he was incredible for that for that team and exactly what the team needed. Just it was a perfect fit. Had a lot of strong personalities. If you think back, you know Justin Lepich, Michael Voss, you know heap of talent in in the side. But it needed a leader like Lee to come in and and do it. And um, yeah, he was just you know unbelievably unbelievable figure in in Brisbane's era. And I learned a lot from him. And and the funny thing is, as scary as he was, he he didn't. He didn't need to raise his voice or, or yell and scream because his presence was enough. Um, and so that really influenced my coaching career. I knew that you didn't need to spray players. And then I went to Collingwood and coached under Mick Moldhouse and he taught me how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but when you say, when you, when you use the word scary there about Lee Matthews, is there genuine intimidation? Or is it, uh, like, uh, and you, when you say he, don't, he didn't kind of bake... He didn't need to ha- have no. to, but... No, the worst, the worst thing he ever said to me was he was disappointed in me. Um, he said that in a post-game review, which, you know, was the worst. It yeah. was just, you know... Or, and that's the, that's the presence he had. He could, he could basically appeal to everyone to, to just fall into line for the team, and you just did it. So whether that was, um, you know, you need to perform this specific role for the team, even if it was probably something you didn't really want to do, you just you didn't want to let him down. So uh, he had that incredible ability to get a team to come together... Uh, Helped that he had massive talent too. Mm-hmm. And he's the first to tell you that um, good players make good coaches. And he always had, you know, some pretty talented players at his disposal. Were you in the S, uh, in the elevator when Leper made the... Yeah, well, yeah, maybe people haven't heard the story, maybe you have, but could you tell the quick story about the Leper and uh, after the grand final? Yeah, well, one of the, the, the things I admire most about Lee is, and I think this is common across the board, that people who are genuinely good... They, they don't need to tell anyone how good they were. I'm like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you do, you tend to find people who maybe, you know, are a bit insecure. They need to constantly give you their resume and all yeah. the great things. Adam's they like, like that, that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone knows how good Lee Matthews is. So, you know, that he, he never talked about himself and he never talked about his own career as much as we, we wanted to hear the stories. We yeah. wanted to... I, think, I can't remember who asked him about Neville Bruns, but no one ever asked him again. Yeah. Um, that was shocking when Neville ran into his fist like that. That was out of line, out of line. I'm Care, glad. Careless, that was I'm what glad. it was. I'm Severe. glad we, we booed him at the 89 grand final. It was out of line. Lucky but, Siri wasn't around back then. <laughs> but again, remember, I grew up a massive Hawthorne supporter and I caught the tail end of, of Lee Matthews' career, so um, idolised him, you know, revered figure. But after, I think, the 2000... And I can't remember which grand final it was, but it was after one of the premierships. And um, that's the most hurtful thing yeah, I've ever, <laughs> ever heard anyone say. They all just blend into uh, one, Titus. I, th- I can't remember if that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> they did blend into each other, but but um, yeah, Justin Lepich is in there, and, and Lepers a Lepers a smart ass at the best of times. Um, actually, pretty annoying bloke, Leper, to be honest. But but um, even though he's one of my mates, he's um, I just couldn't I couldn't be around him too often. He's like small doses kind of guy um, but um, but he's in the lift and we'd had a few beers obviously after the game and we got back to the hotel got in the lift and Leper's you know as he does he's you know sh- mouthing off and you know he's telling Lee how good we are what a great team we are and then he said to Lee that you know you'd be nothing without us and 
<laughs> fucking right hook and, right there. And again, Lee never talking about himself, just turned around and said, yeah, I, just, I suppose I'd just have to make do with being the greatest player of all time. <laughs> so small doses. He could, he, he could throw them, Lee, but he didn't do it very often. So with that team that you had, how do you think you guys compare with, you know, the current Richmond team, the Hawthorne, you know, three-peat? Where do you reckon you guys sit amongst that? Would you put yourselves on top of that because you're in it or can you see it objectively? I, I hate comparing because I think it's an impossible task. Um, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll try. I mean, I, Come I think, on, Adam. I think yeah, you're you're embarrassing <laughs> us. <laughs> if you want to be... Um, and again, I, I just think in, in this sort of idea of... You know, people can have their own opinions about, you know, those great eras. And I, I just remember 2001, we won our first flag. And the year before, 2000, Essendon were being talked about as being the greatest team of all time. Mm. And then three years later, it's like, no, no, this is now the best team of all time. And then, yep. then it's Geelong, then it's Hawthorne, then it's, you know, now Richmond. But the only thing I'd say about that I reckon separates um, Brisbane from the others in terms of Hawthorne, probably even Richmond is if you look at Hawthorne's three flags, they, you know, it's such a massive advantage playing at the MCG on grand final day. Um, and they played three non-Victorian teams to win those flags. Um, you know, Richmond up until obviously last year was different. But winning, when I, I went to the 2017 grand final and I remember walking down Punt Road thinking, my God, this is like, this is like a zoo. Like it's yeah. a Richmond home game. Like Adelaide finished on top. That's got nothing <laughs> to do with the grand final, by the way. That's no. just fucking... <laughs> That's just Richmond fans all year round. Yeah, it's just a few of Dusty's dad's mates just <laughs> hanging out. What do you think about Dusty's dad, Brad? Come on, put that on the record. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't meet Dusty's dad. There was, there was a time people had got short memories, but Dusty was actually not far off being a North player at one stage. So. Yeah, yeah, of course. The yeah. war chest, mate. The war yeah. chest. Yeah, we, we, I think we offered him the greatest football contract of all time, which looks really cheap right now. So... <laughs> um, but um, no, no, so I think Brisbane had to do it. The point is they had to travel. You had, we had to play home prelims at the MCG yeah. because the rules were different back then. So then we had to travel back to Brisbane, then back to the MCG. So to win three premierships in a row, basically away from home, I, I think is the only thing that I would say would separate it in terms of fact. Otherwise, everything else is everyone's opinion. Do you think that took that travel that people talk about um, from WA, and I think it's only Pav maybe who maybe played over three hundred games and yeah. all that time. Do you think it took time of your career that travelling? Not, not mine. I, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I love coming home to Melbourne. So it was um, for me. It was coming home for Brisbane. Most of the team was coming home. Really, most of us were from the southern states. Um, we just had a really good routine. I mean, we we'd come down, and, and it's a bigger advantage actually playing. Now it's 12 games for, for Brisbane Lions at the Gabba because that's a genuine home ground advantage. Yeah. Um, when I coached North, we'd go to North Melbourne and the, you'd go to Marvel and it looked like this bland grey stadium. You couldn't tell whose home, home game it was. So, um, yeah, the, the, the home games at, at um, I reckon, that the Crows, Eagles, Port, like, that's a massive advantage. I think they focus too much on the negative, on the travel. Like, they've got 12 home games in an incredibly hostile environment. That's more of an advantage than the travel to the eastern side of Australia is a disadvantage. Yeah, you go to that new stadium, it's the loudest I've ever, uh, like, heard of any yeah. footy ground. It's like a wave that, you know, and then... Over in Perth? Yeah, and then it, the worst thing about it is it's full of Eagle supporters. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. lousy with them. And yeah, you would have heard, like, the biggest laughter you've ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> just, uh, oh. As they didn't kick a goal to half-time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
I'll get the highlights, get the highlights up. on YouTube. <laughs> but you guys tried to take advantage. It was was there one year you tried to fly at low altitude? Is that one of the things you did? That's you, right. Yeah. And you used to do the um, saline drips at half time as the well. Drips. The AFL uh, said. Can you fucking stop doing that? Because it's bad luck. Were you a part of that, that team, yeah, that dirty yeah, cheating yeah. team? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just water at the end of the day. It, it True. does go in a needle. But, um, yeah, the, one of the things that, that, again, Lee Matthews did this really well. I mean, I don't think Lee had any idea of the, the technology or the science. Yeah. Um, what he did really well was convince us that we always had an advantage in everything we did. So, you know, the pilot, we, oh, we're going to fly at low altitude, we'll be less dehydrated. I think by sort of... About the fifth year in, we all realised that it was total bullshit. It was, just, <laughs> it, it, was just, it was just stuff that was done to convince us that, you know, we had the best. We were the best sports science people, the best doctors. We were ahead of the game. Um, and we ate it up for three years. And then yeah. once we realised it was all bullshit, we started losing. <laughs> so you're telling me that the predator can't be killed because it bleeds. Is that, <laughs> is that what I'm hearing? Uh, something like that, yeah. 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 What, but what, what the... do you reckon of... Sorry, you what right? do you reckon of uh, sports science? Do you reckon it works as well as everyone bangs on about or do you think it's a bit of a pseudoscience? Well I've got to be careful because I that was my that's my university background. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a chiropractor. So those those eight years part like, time. No, it's amazing. Time, yeah. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Um no it's overrated. It's overrated. No massively overrated. I mean the the um Melbourne's sports science guy is just as good as Collingwood's, mm. you know, the, the, I doubt the, it, but no. <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're all, I mean, they're all like a little fraternity anyway. They all speak to each other. I don't think that anyone really knows a lot more. But again, I think the 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 most the most important field in sports science is psychology by a long way. So I, I think that again, I didn't know it at the time. But what when we talked about our edge in sports science, they were really talking about psychology and getting inside our heads, which you know they did, and it also works in reverse. So one thing I really tried to change at North Melbourne was when I first got there, there was this... North's an unbelievable club. Like, it's just a fantastic club. It always will be. Um, and you just won't... I mean, we can talk... I'm at the AFL now. You can talk about moving north, interstate, whatever. They just won't go. You just, you, you just, you'll never get rid of them. So they'll, they'll always be there. And we talked about Fitzroy before, and, and that is, you know, incredibly sad. Hopefully the Fitzroy people feel a home at Brisbane in terms of the Lions still there. But... The thing that I really struggle with at North is that they were so proud of their sort of downtrodden yep, reputation. Yep. Um, and I just tried to redefine that into fighting spirit. Like, we've got an unbelievable fighting spirit, but we've got just as many good, you know, facilities, staff as everyone else. Now, I come from an assistant coach at Collingwood where Collingwood was built up as this incredibly rich, well-resourced club. It's not that much better resourced than North Melbourne. Um, but everyone thinks it is. And more importantly, our players thought it was. It. Yeah. And so that was, that was what I really tried to change is that when you come to North, we're, we're just as good as these guys uh, over the road. So when you talk about the psychology, um, you know how coaches say before a game, oh, they didn't start, they weren't on when we started. Can you pick that up when you're at the start? Or no, does no, it always no. seem different? Or do they seem, are there days where you go, they're fucking on today? Yep. And then other days where you go, oh, I thought they were going to be better than this sort of thing. And they just come out not firing. Yeah, the, the thing that, that um, I think you, you've obviously got an idea, but the thing that you can't tell, and the biggest variable is, what are the other mob doing? Yep. Like, I mean, that, that's what everyone taught. We just weren't on. Well, sometimes we came out and we just got, we just got jumped by an opposition who was, you know, really, for whatever reason, uh, ready to go. But, 
But on the flip side, there were a couple of games where I came out of the pre-game and it's like, these guys, like, they're on today. Yeah. And um, there was one game in 2018 when most people, I think, predicted North to finish last in 2018. And um, we'd lost the first few games, but we were, we were still playing really well. Like, we just fell short in a couple of games. And we came up against Adelaide, who I think had won, you know, five in a row or something of flying and... People were talking about this is going to be a cricket score and North are going to get absolutely pumped. And, and, and we just we had a pretty fierce pre-game in terms of what we wanted to go out and do. And we kicked the first 10 goals of the game in the first quarter. Jesus. It was like, you know, against the, the premiership favourites at the time. So Yeah, you lost that by five, but that's okay. Down in Tassie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, we won the game. We still didn't make the finals, unfortunately. <laughs> so you say you're AFL Victoria now. We'll let you go shortly by the fact, you know, you've got a, a, a life to live. But... Um, um, One of I, us I work at the AFL. AFL. Yeah. <laughs> so you're AFL Victoria now, but you did have a role kind of in, within AFL House for a time last year. Was that right? Yeah, I did. Um, I started in January, and then you know everyone knows what happened in January last year onwards. So that role changed really quickly. To we just need to get all these Victorian teams out of Victoria and up to Sydney and Queensland. So it went from being a, a role with Steve Hocking, um, basically just supporting him in footy. Um, to let's try and get everyone into hubs, like get these quarantine um, stuff sorted out. So you, you're booking hotel rooms, right? You're just going, no. uh, can we get 50 rooms at the Mantra? <laughs> yeah. uh. You know, it actually wasn't that hard because everyone's in lockdown. So <laughs> it's like, we re- literally ring like the, um, the Royal Pines Resort and it's like, um, we need to move like 800 people up to the resort and they were at 6% occupancy at the Dude. time. So actually that part of it wasn't that hard. But I'll tell you that the, the bit that the game has got that we've got some work to do is the hardest month by a mile last year was, or for me, was the month in Sydney trying to... We had, I had Brisbane, Melbourne, Hawthorne and obviously the two New South Wales teams and there are just no football grounds up there. Mm. And then when it rains, they just close the ground. Like the council just closed the grounds and say... Say to Hawthorne, you're not training. So, you know, I'm stepping out of coaching. I'm ringing Alistair Clarks and saying, mate, there's, the venue's done. It's like he's yell- yelling and screaming at me. It's like, yeah, whatever, mate. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Mate, he was just having a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, toe to toe, that's a fight I want to say. <laughs> i got to tell you. That is a fight I want to say. And so, do you, so you spent time in the hub yourself or you were just kind of doing it No, no, the, pretty much the whole time. Yeah, it, was, yeah, it wow. was, um, yeah, my wife and kids remind me that it was about, I think it was 104 <laughs> days. Yeah, and so I've got, a, I've got two boys and um, my wife is in, like most of us here, in a lockdown in Melbourne through July, homeschooling two boys and um, she FaceTimed me once and I was, I was on the beach in Noosa. <laughs> I'm like, this is the, like a lose-lose. Like, <laughs> if I answer this, I'm in all yeah, sorts yeah. of trouble. And if I don't, you know, I'm in all sorts of trouble. So, yeah. Who, who was the worst behaved team in the hubs and why was it Richmond? <laughs> <laughs> I think Richmond have built a, a fair reputation for themselves in their, from hub life. Um, now, that, look, I mean... Were you actually surprised how well behaved? Because yeah. I was amazed when the AFL's business pitch to state governments were... We got it like 
almost a thousand 18 to 20 to 30 year olds yeah. uh, blokes and we're going to they're all behave perfectly yeah. and yeah. state governments went well it sounds like you can do yeah. that and <laughs> and what's the capacity of planet uh, of hollywood showgirls say, did you did you get down to hollywood showgirls and then get a kebab afterwards by any chance well yeah no i didn't i didn't and no one should have but i mean the, the, yeah, the, I mean, the restrictions actually on, on us and, and the players were just as onerous as, as they were in a Melbourne lockdown. You could go out, you could leave the hub for pretty much exercise and training. That was it. So I, I just, when I got up there, I thought, oh, this is a recipe for disaster. You've got these alpha males uh, all together, most of them away from their partners, girlfriends, wives. Um, you know, you mentioned testosterone before, like in the general population, these guys generally have, you know... <laughs> Spiraling uh, testosterone levels. I thought this this isn't going to end well. Like when you when you when you get all these guys and you take away their free will, um, and they're you know they're they're pretty charged up, fiery individuals. Um, I was actually amazed that we had hardly any um, yeah. poor incidents. I mean, and overall, of all the the stories people like to talk about, 99% of the players, staff, families, they they were unbelievable. And and those clubs, those players saved the game. Like, and I, I don't say that lightly because. Uh, when you're staring down the, the, the barrel of a $1 billion loss, the AFL makes about 20 to $30 million surplus per year. So there's over a billion dollars in revenue, but the margin's like razor thin in terms of what's left over at the end. You lose a billion dollars, it's like generations to get that back. So the game wouldn't have looked the same had, had the players and clubs not agreed to go into hubs and get the season away. Now, you are working at the AFL. Why was Patrick Dangerfield allowed to play in the VFL this weekend? Yeah, good question. It was a practice game. Oh, Didn't count as an game. official game. Oh, is that okay. right? Yeah. Loophole. Oh, gotcha. Go. It's a practice game. So it was against Melbourne, was it? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> well, Brad, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I know you've got to go catch up with David King. Um, <laughs> who? who, who? <laughs> Can you tell us what you said to him as you were jogging past him in your, one of your last games? Oh, I just said I haven't seen him for a while. We should have a beer after the game. Great. <laughs> Great. Hey, uh, we do have Dane Swan on next. Now, you were his midfield coach for a little while. Is that right? Yep. Three best years of my life at Collingwood. Um, How was he to coach? Uh, well, easy. Just, Swanee, just, you're starting in the centre. Just go get the ball and yep. kick it forward. I didn't coach him at all. He, he is just a, um, one of those freak players that if I'd tried to coach him, he would have been worse. So when you've got, when you've got the, the guns... My, my philosophy was let them play, let them show their flair and if they ask for any help, then try and do your best but don't get in the way of the good players. I think we overcoached the guns um, and Swanee was certainly one of those. Why are you looking at me? Because <laughs> you're going to move, you're going to wrap it up, you're the wrap well, it up We just guy. want to oh. see if you're going to walk over yeah. and get close yeah. again or... Yeah. Just one punch, right? We're just gonna... Hey, ladies and gentlemen, please thank Brad Scott! Thank you. Thank you so much, Brad. Very glad of you. Thanks, mate. So much. That was sick. And why don't we keep that applause going for our next act? Please welcome Connolly with legend and podcaster Dane Swan. I was just saying a quick g'day to Brad Scott. Swanny, how are you, mate? I'm Michael. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm. Well, I'm absolutely <laughs> fucked, actually. Um, now, you, you played a game of footy in Tassie yesterday, didn't you, Swanee? Yeah, what a stupid idea that was. <laughs> Mate, oh, you are genuinely me. sore. I am. I've got muscles I forgot I had. Um, in my, 
just right. I think they're inductors or something like that. Like, really, really fucking sore. It's incredible. Like, what am I doing? I'm 37. Haven't played a meaningful game in four or five years, and I decided to go play a game of footy. I'm a fucking idiot, but um, I'm paying for it today. Let me tell you. Jeez, Who were you playing for down there? Perth. Perth. Yeah. Don't just fucking steal city names. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's it. How'd they lure yeah, you down there? How much? How much? How big was the envelope? Oh my I'm just. I just love playing footy. Love, love of the yeah. game. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Uh, last year was a tough year for a lot of footy clubs, mate. True. So I thought I'd yep. get on the tour this year and you know help give a bit back. You're a good man. Yeah, what's well, a man of the people? <laughs> uh, how did you go? I, I I started in the I started a full forward. Uh, there was a slight wind going down there. Well, they kick, the opposition kicked the first five goals, so mm-hmm. I got to be cold. So. I went up in the middle um, and ran around. And I tried not to do much, but once the ball comes here, you think yeah. you're like a 25 again yeah. and trying to step people and that. And I came in at half time with, you know, probably, I kick, I'd kick three and had probably 20. Um, <laughs> so struggling. Well, you didn't say the opposition. Are they coming after you? Like, are they trying to get no, a scalp? No, listen, everyone was pretty good. I mean, I, I'm. You see the way I play the way I am. I'm not super aggressive or I don't have enough energy to run around wasting <laughs> it on pushing people. Um, but no, no, a couple of them said a couple of things. Like, and I just turned around and, you know, that wasn't very funny to begin with and I was like, okay, sweet. Um, but they just got to left me alone. They started at the start once I wasn't getting a kick, but once I started to warm up a little bit, they... Well, I was getting tagged. That's how fucking well I was going. Um... 37-year-old who was moving at the pace, you know, of a 70-year-old woman wasn't. She was getting <laughs> run around. But um, just before the, just before half-time, I went to st- step off my left foot and my right, left groin sort of went. I was like, okay, it's not too bad. And then halfway, then I tried to kick on my left foot, which is something I didn't do in my all my years at AFL. I decided to do it in Tasmania of all places. Then, <laughs> then my right groin went. And halfway, th- so well, we got us. I got us. We we're in front. And I kicked the goal on the half-time sign to get us in front. There was a big win. We'll, it was about even a three-quarter time. About two minutes in the last quarter, when it was even, we we're kicking with the win, so we should have won. It was just like two goals kicked up until three-quarter time. Um, I did me groin. I ran off. Oh well, I didn't run off. I walked off. And said no. I, I literally cannot move. Um, it was. I've never. I don't think in all my time playing football, I've ever been a sore finishing a game. I just I was absolutely cooked, um, and then then they started chirping me as I was running off. <laughs> like as I got to the bench, they started giving it to me, but it was fine. Um, I'm alive. Um, I'm not sure I'll be going to, to Tassie anytime soon. But <laughs> <laughs> what was it like getting tagged by someone like Cameron Ling? What's that What's that situation like when you go out there and he just comes to you straight away? What's the afternoon like? Um, oh, well, it's not as good as when no one comes to you. <laughs> put it that way. Uh, it's always like me or Pendles would come in the middle and we're like. Oh, fuck, I hope he's going to Pendles. <laughs> <laughs> or anyway, you know, obviously you'd have, you know, Scotty or someone have, all right, you know, whoever the tagger is, I think he's going, you know, you'll, but judging on your last three or four games, he's going to you because, yeah. you know, and I was like, oh, okay. And then he lines up on Pen and he's like, ah, oh, thank fuck for that. <laughs> how um, how yeah. often would you get tagged? Like every second week, every uh, week, every third week? You are from when I was at my best, probably most weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the odd club, but that was probably in the era where they did have every club had a 
had a tag. So uh, it'd be nice to run around the midfield these days. Mm. Well, if you can't get 30 playing in the midfield these days, you shouldn't be in there. Mm. Um, can you go down to Carlton and have a word? That's <laughs> what <laughs> I can do. Um, but, but yeah, it was, uh, I, I got tagged most weeks. But when, you, when we were, we were so, we should have probably won more flags. But when you're so dominant and you win every week, it's very, very easy to get a kick. It's when you go and sh- teams go and shit house and you're getting tagged, that's when you look worse because you're not getting any of the ball. When you're winning, and you've got so many good players around, and you can take some call it cheating. I just, just call it smart running, and <laughs> you know, run smarter, not harder was my motto. Um, so you could get on the end because you knew we were going to win the ball. So you'd end up going right. When your side's struggling and you're getting tagged and sure. he's getting beat, that's when you look horrible. Can I give the tale of the tape of Dane Swan right here? Two hundred fifty-eight games, uh, two hundred eleven goals. Premiership obviously in twenty ten. Brownlow in twenty eleven. Lee Matthews Trophy, so MVP, 2010. Um, five-time All-Australian. Uh, and I th- is, it, is it five best and fairest as well? It should have been. been. <laughs> uh, Three in a row. Yeah, yeah. I, sh- I should have won a couple more, but Bucks love Pendles a lot more than he loved me. So <laughs> but Pendles will never win another one now because um, he's got six, which is equal with, with Bucks, and there's no... I can wait okay. <laughs> Bucks is ever going to give him one. Yeah, so, <laughs> so fair enough. I think fair enough. Oh, the the jungle drums are beating that Pendles is actually trying to get rid of Nathan, so <laughs> um, he can win another B and F and be the all time leading uh, in 2022. Because I was quite fascinated by the fact that uh, I think for the first four years of your career you played 30 senior games. When you look when you look at the record and you hear that record, you think you're a straight in walk up start. But it took you a while to get your feet there. Yeah, no, it took me a long time. I, I got going late. Um, yeah, I didn't play. Played three games my first two years, um, but I guess I thought the life of an AFL player was when I got drafted was going out, getting drink cards, and, and trying to do your best in a nightclub. That was that was what I thought. Yeah, and lucky you really knuckled down after yeah, that. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> you really well, shot that rep. I say I wouldn't. I say well, I guess you know, I pro- the, probably the best thing that happened to me was being arrested. Um, I've always said that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, then we got you know. I thought I was going to be sacked, so, um, you know, I wasn't... How close did it come? Well, I, for a, a day there, I thought I was sacked. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was, I was a shithead, some would probably say I still am, but, um, you know, I, I did Adam does. Adam yeah. does. <laughs> he said it earlier. See back to Carlton. But, uh, yeah, I was just going through the motions. I, you know, I've got some great memories from my first few years of footy, but none of them got anything to do with AFL or playing yeah. footy. Yeah. Um, I was... You know, I was playing at Williamson. I was going out Thursday night, going out Friday night, playing in the reserve reserves on Saturday, going out Saturday night, Sunday, and I can try something. I trying to roll up the training. So, like, I if I had if I got drafted now, I was doing that. I would have been kicked out in six months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I sort of got into the year just before social media and uh, in 2001, two, just before all this that kind of shit come about. So, um, I was kind of lucky in that sense. And um, yeah, I thought I was going to be sacked, and I thought that was the end of it. And it's very cliche. They say you don't you don't know what you've got till it's gone, but I was like, well, fuck, there goes that. Um, and I wasn't going back to school. I was, I'm shit ass with my hands, so a trade wasn't on the cards. So, fucking God knows what I was going to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so 24 hours, then I got um, into the footy club, me, my old man, and my manager. And he just, um, they sat around the footy club, around the table, and all Who the Who were you hit- sitting with? I was sitting with my dad and my manager, and it was like all the heavy hitters of the footy club. So, like, um, Greg Swan. Um, Neil Baum. Joffa. Yeah, Joffa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, he was there, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Eddie Mick and... Lou Richards. That's probably... Yeah, Lou Richards, yeah. Uh, 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 that's about it, I think. And they just all told me what they thought of me and obviously mustn't have been a very nice person back then because there wasn't too many compliments coming <laughs> yeah. my way. But Mick just sort of said, um, listen, we're not going to ruin your career on one fuck-up. So... Um, now, I don't know what they said to me because I'd given them absolutely no indication that I was going to be a, a footballer of any, yeah. at any level, let alone do what I ended up doing. So Mick must have seen something in me that thought I was going to be okay. So he said, you know, right now this is your last chance. So um, prove to me that um, you belong. And obviously, you know, he lied to me that day. He told me it was my last chance. Um, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> it's just amazing. The better you get, the more chances you get. So... <laughs> Um, <laughs> figured that out. Um, that's why Geordie's probably got a couple more up his sleeve. <laughs> um, but yes, and then I, I said I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I got put on the right path. I got put on a righter path than yeah. what I was on. And then it just took me a while. So that was end of '02, and I probably didn't get going. I played my first full year in probably '05. So I still took me a while. And you know, a lot of things. Happened to make me the player I was. I got very, very lucky. Um, there were so many more players in my whole career that came in that were more talented, better skilled, fitter, faster, everything that just didn't get a break. But I just got them. We went to shit after we lost the two grannies. So yep. that was when I was there. So like everything, you start playing the kids. So I, was, I probably got 40 games that I didn't deserve um, because they were getting rid of all the old boys and all the young kids were just getting a game. Um, and... Yeah, then I just sort of stuck with it. And, you know, my old man, that, so the first best and fairest I ever won was at Collingwood in 2008. So apart from the one in my first year in under 10s, but I won it I won it in the B side. So I was the best of the worst or the worst yeah, of the best, yeah. whichever way you want to say it. So I just, my dad just rang as I gradually got better every single year. So it just took me a while to find my feet. And, you know, eventually I did. And five and, all Australians, what do you do with the jackets? No, we didn't get jackets. Um, Was that a new thing? Yeah, yep, assholes. Uh, (laughs) We got these real heavy um, trophies and two of mine have smashed. (laughs) What time of the morning did they smash? Yeah, who knows, probably the same time of the morning when Brownlow went missing. But but yeah, so they're no jackets. Um, What they would do, they'd probably just collect dust or they probably would have been thrown away on a nightclub floor somewhere. The rest of my suit jackets after the Brownlow and... Yep. And Copeland's. And uh, you played for Australia as well. Did you play for Australia in, in Australia or in Ireland? No. You've got to be fucking stupid to do it here, don't you? Um, <laughs> You've got to have a good time, don't you? Exactly. Yeah. It's ridiculous coming in. Well, let's go on a trip to, to Perth. Yeah, can sure. We? Yeah. Um, that'll already, be fun. We've already done Northbridge. Yeah, no. Nah, well, it's not as exciting as it, uh, as it sounds. But, yeah, so I went to um, Ireland, which was great, straight, uh, straight after we won the Premiership. And Mick was the coach, so um, I thought I could get away with a bit more, which I did, which I'll explain. But um, And first of all, I said, I'm not going to go um, without anyone that I know because I wanted to have someone at least to sit next to on the plane and stuff like that. And all my mates, all the good players at the footy club couldn't be fucked, so I threw gold- So Tyson Goldsack, the steak knives, come along with us. So, <laughs> um, so he owes me. Uh, <laughs> Because, let's be honest, he didn't deserve to play for Australia. <laughs> so um, I, uh, I tucked him along, so he owes me. Uh, and, he, and his mum actually owes me for him kicking the first goal on the granny because I give a free kick away when, when Trav kicked that goal and he was 81-1, to 1, so his mum won 800. So he owes me, t- 
He owes me twice, actually. But, um, yeah, so, so we went to... Um, oh, before that, I, we went, I went to Vegas for 10 days or something, which is a horrible mistake, going for 10 days. And um, I come back... How many I, sleeps? Two, two and a half. Yeah, and, wait. Uh, wait, so 10 well, too long trip. or 10 too short? Too long now. Too long? Yeah, 10 days. If, if you do it properly, the weekend's enough now. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so we went, um, I went... I went to Vegas, come back, got home on like the Thursday. I had training on the Friday and we're flying out on the Saturday. Um, I got to training on the Friday. I was pissing down at Arden Street. Um, I went out, kicked one ball, the round ball. And listen, I'm not going to kick a f- AFL ball. How do you reckon I went kicking a... <laughs> And round ball, so not great. So we kicked it from about here to you, nearly dummy hammy. I was like, that's it, I'm out. I <laughs> uh, walked inside, and then everyone was getting changed. And uh, Mick called the captains, like Goodsy captain, vice captains, Kate Simpson, Matty Boyd, and he goes, and Swanny. And everyone started laughing. <laughs> I started laughing too, to be honest. And he's like, he's like well, we need a clean fucking person now. I was like, well, it's not going to be Goldie. So yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I guess it's me. So um, I've been in Vegas for 10 days. Um, then we're having a shower and all the boy Goodsy was like, Swanee, you know, this is your town, you know what's going on, where are we going tonight? I was like, mate, like, fucking no chance. I haven't seen me missus. I've been away. I said I'd be home after training. He's like, mate, come on. Fuck, righto, we'll go out for dinner. That's it. <laughs> so I took him out for dinner. I was like, babe, listen, I'm just going out for dinner. I'll be home by 9 o'clock. So 9 o'clock, I guess, at 5 a.m. <laughs> uh, I get home. I nearly didn't go because she was like, you know, obviously I, I copped it. So we're in a... We were negotiating whether I was allowed to go or not. Um, eventually got there. We were there 16 nights. I was on the piss 15 nights. Um, the night before, we played in a Croke Park in Dublin in front of like 60,000. I got home at about 5 in the morning. Um, slept. Missed the team meeting morning. Missed the team breakfast. Missed the team walk. Woke up about 3 o'clock. Had a room service pasta. Slept on the bus on the way there. Uh, come out at 35, kicked two and won the medal for Band of the Series. <laughs> That's preparation for you. So we won the medal for best player in the series. So oh, fuck knows how, but that happened. Because we had your friend Daisy Thomas on the show about two years ago now, mm. and, uh, and he said you were you were a little partial to a little bit of vodka in the water bottle doing recovery and stuff like that. Um, oh, what didn't happen every week, but it did. <laughs> Well, it was, well, there was one occasion, it was like I just put like, the vodka in the Gatorade. So I was at a house party and you know, they used to do rehab so early. They used to do like 8 a.m. 8 a. Which, which but even if you have like a night game, if you don't go out, like you, the adrenaline, your brain, your body side, but your brain's still going from footy. So you still even won't get to bed by, like to sleep by, you know, th- I was, you know, does come over at dinner Thursday. I know he said he didn't get to sleep till three, four in the because your brain's still going. That's kind of what happens. Um, so to have it at eight o'clock, you still feel like you're hungover anyway because like you've had three or four hours sleep. Your eyes are red and you're sore. Um, but yeah, on this particular occasion, on, on one of these ones, um, I was at a house party and I got to like, I can time gets away from you in the early hours of the morning, as I'm sure many of you know. Uh, but it was it was one thirty, and all of a sudden it was seven forty-five. So fuck out <laughs> that happened. Um, so and obviously, um, I was like, oh, well, I need to, if I get in this cab, whatever, I'm a chance of falling asleep, so I need to keep myself going. So I was like, grabbed a bit of vodka, a bottle of vodka on the way uh, from the house party and um, <coughs> grabbed a couple of Gatorades and obviously poured some Gatorade, vodka into Gatorades and um, got on the bike and, you know, sit next to Pendles and he's like, you know, can I have a drink? I was like, fucking no, you can't. I'm like, <laughs> 
like I got a cold, so technically I'm on the bike trying to um, so trying to drink the Gatorade and get myself in and out very quick as possible. And the the thing was because I you know I wanted to go back to the house party because it was my fucking house. <laughs> so um, so I had to go back there. So I was uh, so I had to keep myself at a decent level for an hour and, and got myself back there and no one had left, so I had to keep going. Now, did you get any strikes during your career? No. Do you know how? Because I never tested positive. That's, that's how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Honest to God, no, never. How often would you get tested? All the time. Really? Yeah. yeah. Is, that ba- and that's, is that because you're like one of the upper echelon players or is it, uh, or is it random? Well, like? it depends. It depends. There's two different kinds. Um, like the guys that come to your house, um, they're um, performance dancing. They're a pain in the ass. Um, I don't know. Like, did you have? Did you see how I looked when I was playing footy? Do you think I was doing performance dancing <laughs> drugs? Because like, uh, if I'm right, you have to pull your shirt up to like your chest and pull your pants down to like your yeah, knees. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Like, sounds like your school. Like, <laughs> like, you know, there's been cages where you can't piss, so you have to like actually take your shit in front of them. Yeah. Okay. Like, it's, that's the weirdest job in the world. But yeah. a, a story for you when um, when I was getting drug tested by Asada or the performance dancing one. So they Knocked on the door at six in the morning, whatever, and you're fucking, what's going on here? And you, you get yourself up, and you, you have to sit on the sit on the, the sit at the table with your feet on the floor and your hands on the floor for 20 minutes. I guess just so you can't, I don't know, go and either try and hide whatever you're taking or whatever that is. So yeah. you sit there, and I just had my phone and you know, obviously Instagram. I, I took a photo of just the guy sitting across from me. And I, was, I must have posted, you know, like I can, what I'm up, what, what I'm up to, or this is what happens in my life. So yeah. like six a.m. Drug test or whatever like and obviously went and d- got the drug test, got it done and then was at the footy club and while she called me, he goes, oh, mate, you're going to have to take that post down. I was like, oh, he goes, the bloke who's in the photos rang up and said it's an invasion of his privacy. <laughs> Fuck, I was like, excuse me? <laughs> so he's in my house yeah. at 6 a.m. He's watching me piss. He's sitting there. He's like, my dog's barking at me. My missus in bed and it's an invasion of his privacy. <laughs> so we went back and forth and I said, I'm not fucking taking it down. Bad luck. He goes, the AFL are going to find you 10 grand. I said, it's gone. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. We are going to have to wrap up shortly just by the fact there are other shows coming in. But can we quickly talk about the, the flag in 2010? Yeah, let's go to it. So how did you feel in the, in the first grand final? Did you feel that, you know, because St Kilda got the momentum, did you think you were going to lose it? Um, at, the, at the end there, obviously that thought crosses your mind very, very quickly when you're walking back to the middle, but yeah. you don't have time to really, because the game yeah, okay. moves so fast and it's so close, you don't have time to be sitting there to stop it. You're going, fuck, we're going to get beat today, like yep. kicking rocks. So, um, But obviously you get nervous once they get in front, God takes that big mark, you, you run it back to the middle with a little bit more anxiety in your body than you were five minutes previous, so yep. clearly, and you have a bit more urgency about you and not as relaxed. But what was the feeling like at half-time? Were you like, we've got this, or were you just like, let's keep you know, keep at it? Was yeah. it a confident feeling? Yeah, absolutely. I think we we'll, we'll up by yeah. a little bit, so we are pretty confident. You know, it's the same shit that every coach says at half-time. If you go, well, keep it going, boys, you know, blah, 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 just keep yep. sticking to what you're doing and we'll get it done. And um, Obviously, we didn't, uh, but, but yeah, we we're, we we're very confident. We are very confident up until... Five minutes to go, you know, when they probably got in front. So, um, yeah, it was just it was just one of those days where you know people say the ball bounced right away from Jono, but if, if Ben Johnson was here to go, well, look at the vision, look how the ball bounced straight over Jono's head when he did the right thing and attacked it, and the ball bounced on its head and bounced straight over him. So, yeah. he says he got the bad bounce, not Milne. Uh, is that for what it's worth? But um, yeah, it was just just one of those games. We we did it the hard way. Um, 
Did you think you were going to win after that? Like during the, during that lead up week, did you think we've got them? Yeah, I think so. I think we'll we'll clearly a much younger side, and, and we figured we'd um, come into it a lot fresher. Now um, we probably mentally were probably a lot. Now it's hard for me to say because I'm not in their camp, but yeah. you know I know they didn't go back to their um, their dinner that night and stuff like we did. You know, Mick told us, all right, let's go back, enjoy um, you know your time with your friends and family, then let's. Uh, get to the footy club and start on some rehab. And the way sort of Maxi sort of spun it when we got beat and the coaches were like, come on, boys, we've got an opportunity. Like, we just won the prelim. Like, come on, boys, what an opportunity to win, the, to win the flag next week. Try to pump us up. And there was a few of us all sitting in our little corners, like kicking rocks, going, oh, fuck, what a pain now. I just want to come back next week. And Maxi came and pat us on the head. Like, fuck off for five minutes, Maxi. Just let us have a sook <laughs> and we'll be right. But, but, you know, eventually, like, that enthusiasm, his stupid enthusiasm just started to slowly filter through the group. So, you know, we got to... We got, went back to the... the Crown or wherever we did, it and we seen our family and friends. We didn't stay there long, so they were all off. So we'd had enough of them, and then went back. Um, and by the time the footies came out, we did rehab Sunday. By the footy, time the footies came out on Monday, it was actually like the, in the fit, in the playing group. It was actually like it was grand final week for the first time. Like we'd won the prelim, so it wasn't like oh, I can't believe we're training yeah, again. Yeah. We should be on Mad Monday. Yeah. You know, we don't lose. We should be having a good time. It wasn't no one was really complaining. It was like oh, we got one more week. Let's get it done, and, and obviously it showed um, the week after. And how was the Mad Monday? It just finished, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's why we didn't win another one. Um, but yeah, listen, it, it was great. Um, listen, I don't regret sort of anything that I've done in my life, good or bad, because it's kind of made me the person I am today. But if I had my time again, because we had the draw, um, everyone was made to fly out. The morning of the draw, like cause we had our BNF, Collingwood's BNF is always the Friday after the granny. Yep. So um, that sucked when we didn't make finals. You couldn't fucking go away. You had to be back for it. But um, so everyone usually takes off the Saturday, which is which was the replay. So um, everyone was like, "What are we doing with flights now?" And someone just said, "Oh, let's just push them back to Tuesday." So we all left Tuesday. So yep. we weren't. I wasn't sober till I, you know, till I woke up after the plane ride and touched down in LA. So. If I had my time again, it would have been nice to actually like push that back a week because Vegas, the other side of the world is always going to be there and actually yeah, wake yeah. up sober on like a Wednesday and have a big lunch, maybe do something with the supporters or you know the whole footy club get involved and actually have a big lunch and actually give something back to the people who probably care about it maybe more than the players because the supporters yeah. who, have, who love the footy club, we just get paid to play there and we obviously love it, but the supporters who have grown up from yep. day dot, supporting it, probably means more to them because they've lived and breathed Collingwood their whole life. So it would have been nice, not that they do parades in this country, but like just do something for supporters now when we were sober or something like that. But just, soak, you know. just soak it up a bit more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like, have a big lunch with the whole footy club and just yeah. appreciate it a bit more sober because we were just off till Tuesday yeah. morning and then that was the end of it. Yeah. We will wrap it up shortly, but can we... I mean, I know we've all just met you, Dane, and uh, you're obviously a delightful chap, but just... Um, Next time you go to Vegas with Dusty, um, can, can we come? <laughs> can yeah, we come? It's not cheap, but... Uh, <laughs> but yeah. what's, what's your hotel of choice when you go over there? Uh, there was a couple not allowed in anymore, so... Um, <laughs> Which is, oh, definitely, get, which is definitely not a story for here, but... Uh, to get banned in Vegas. Oh, okay, we'll turn some... off the recording. <laughs> yeah. We'll turn off the recording um, and you can tell that one. <laughs> the, the Cosmo is, is probably the best one, but... Um, I'm not allowed to see the inside of it anymore. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, we can leave it on that, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> just, just come a little closer.
Yeah. <laughs> now we are going to hit the road. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, to, uh, please thank Dane Swan and Titus O'Reilly. It's very kind of you all to come to this live show. Go Hawks! Go Blues! Deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.